You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Alright, everybody, welcome to episode four of the Broadway Husbands Podcast. Woo! That's right. I can't believe it's episode four already. Oh, so much time. Just so much flying. time has gone by. <laughs> time flies when you're having fun. This is Brett. And I'm Steven. And we're the Broadway Husbands. That's right. Now, today we're gonna talk a little bit about our decision to start a family, which is um, something we talked about a long time. But before we do that, um, oh, you know what? I can't see anything because I have my glasses on. What was? What does this say? I can't <laughs> read it. Can you read this? Yeah. Where are we starting today? We're talking about to start. Yeah, yeah you right. read it. Go. Today we're talking about our decision to start a family. <laughs> but before we do that, let's update peeps on what we are up to. So. Brett, what are you up to this week? Well, I'm still learning my tracks over at Wicked. Nice. How many tracks are you learning? Ten. What? Ten tracks. Ten? Well, eight ensemble tracks and two principal tracks. Nice. And you are hitting Nutcracker season, yeah? Uh, Yeah. Explain to the people what Nutcracker season is. (laughs) Well... It sounds dirty, right? It is sort of dirty. (laughs) It can be very dirty and very sweaty. Um, I also like to call it double tours for dollars. Um, every year, Nutcracker happens. It's performed around the country in ver- a lot of locations. And I guess the first time I performed in a Nutcracker was, I think I was 11. And I've done a production, at least one production of it every year. Not every year, but just about every year since then. There's been a couple years that I've either been injured or... I know that there was at least one year or two years that I was in a Broadway show where I couldn't get out to do one. Um, What do you do in the Nutcracker season? Now, I just dance the Cavalier. I come out and I partner the Sugar Plum. And typically, some versions, you just do a pas de deux and a coda, which the pas de deux is where the man and woman dance together. And then the coda is where we kind of are happily dancing quickly at the end. In some versions, you just do a coda, and in some versions, you also do a variation. Which is a solo. That's right, it's a solo. So, and then, um, and the solo that I do, I do a lot of double tours in it. So, I guess about 12 years ago now, I started calling it double tours for dollars. Because <laughs> that's what it feels like. I'm a dancer for money. I do double tours for dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you going, though? Because you... Like what I love about Steven, like when we first started dating, he was like, oh, it's Nutcracker season. I got to go do all these Nutcrackers. And he would make all this cash like really fast. So it really is literally double tours for dollars. And but you travel everywhere. And yes. And I keep my clothes on. I do wear white tights (laughs) and a gold and cream tunic, which if you haven't seen Steven in white tights, buy your tickets. Um, Just saying. So this year there will be one that's in Alexandria, Virginia. One in Houston, Texas. Mm -hmm. I forgot. Yes, Houston. Another one in San Diego, California. And the final one is in, it is also in Virginia. And I cannot think of where it is right now. That's good. That's not good. So you guys can't see it. Yeah, that's not good. Wait, hold on one second. (laughs) Let me look at it. Well, last year, I was lucky enough. This is one of the first times that Stephen and I have actually performed together. I played Herr Drosselmeyer in the Nutcracker. 
That's right. <laughs> that's the first time I've done that. That's right. That's it's right. very rare that we get to do something together. So Rockingham Ballet Theater. It is the last one is in Bridgewater, Virginia. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. So that is the excitement. That is what I'm preparing for. Trying to get my body in shape. One last, no, I always, every year, also, this is the other thing. The older I get, every year I do this, I say that this is the last year that I will do this. Um, And this year, I think that there is some truth to that. Um, But stay tuned (laughs) because next year there might be more double tours for dollars. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so today our coffee beverage of choice is super basic. Super basic. We went to Starbucks. Starbucks, you know, I just like can't get enough of the cold brew with the coconut cream. And I had to get the pumpkin cream cold brew. He's really basic. basic. (laughs) Um, So let's, let's read to you guys today's... Spotlight on love. So we were told this person needed to stay anonymous, but uh, this is what he wrote us. What do you do if you've been going on dates with a guy and on paper everything is great, but there's no spark? How do you let him down gently without being seen as a jerk? Hmm. Hmm. On paper, everything's great, but there's no spark. Well, I mean, so here's the thing. I think for me, I don't even think that it would have gotten that far because if there's no spark, then I just can't hang out or go on dates. I mean, I, I, so I guess if it's already been happening, I feel like. Hmm. If everything was looking good on paper, wouldn't there be a spark? That's what I don't understand. No, because a spark is like a chemical reaction that you get when you're around the other person. Mm -hmm. It's not about reading facts and then translating them into emotion. It's about... But that's what I'm saying, though. Like, if I'm... Let's see, if I wrote down on paper exactly what I wanted, one of the things would say spark. I would want to have a spark. But that's not what he means. He means on paper, like, logistically, like, I live on 12th Street. He lives on 12th Street. I am 21. He's 21. I'm just saying 21 because that's totally not my age. Um, and we're both um, Aquarius, and Aquarius Got goes okay. good. You know, like, that kind of but thing. Then, so then what would you do without being a jerk? Um, I would slowly get... Say I was busy and not accept dates with the person. I mean, I I think the first thing I would do is, I guess the first thing I would do is probably just not schedule as many dates or times to see them. And I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but I'm saying that I would definitely pull back. And I'm not saying that maybe that's the right thing to do. I think the right thing to do would be to just be like straight up honest, like, hey, you know what? I'm really not feeling this. Like. Um, and I don't want to let you on, like lead you on anymore. Like, um, I like hanging out with you as a friend, but you know, maybe that's the right thing to do. But I think that I would just like kind of pull back. <laughs> this and, is like, so like not. I just want to point out that that's ghosting. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up, this is ghosting. Yes, thank you, Alan. <laughs> See, here's this is a real. <laughs> beautiful example of our relationship. I would just like to point out. (laughs) 
There's no part about about this that's about like our relationship. Wait, wait, wait. You just your reaction to this because I remember. Okay, when we first started dating, I would try to have conversations with you, and I'd be like, "We need to talk." Mm-hmm. I remember that. You still make fun of me this for this. This still happens, though. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think it just happened on our way here, actually. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I do remember. Go ahead. And if I didn't bring say. up these conversations, they would never happen. You just... Yes, but I will say the first time that Brett said, hey, listen, we need to talk. And I was freaking out. I was like, oh, my God. What is he going to say to me? The first issue that you had... Oh yeah. <laughs> Say it. <laughs> Was that at night we would get into bed. I guess I would get into bed and just like get under the covers and be like, okay, good night. And like I guess I would leave some lights on and maybe not Some <laughs> <laughs> So that was our first like, hey. We need to talk. And I, you know, I was super concerned about what he was gonna say, but then that was the <clears throat> the conversation he said you know, I just really need you to take some initiative. <laughs> so to this day, that is like a joke between <laughs> us. I'm like, can you just take some initiative and like do something? Anytime somebody says the world, we'll be in a play. If we'll be anywhere they'll say initiative. And I'm just like, Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was going to tell me that he wanted to break up. I mean, you know, who knows? I was concerned in the way he said it. We okay, need to. So Anyways, let's get back, back to the question. Back to the question. Don't listen to Steve. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. What, well, what is you're your... not going to be a jerk if you sit the person down and just say, listen, I really like you and everything seems great. I always use But this... that doesn't mean I really like you. No, I really like you. I'm okay, not saying like okay. I want to... Con- like I would say... I always use this phrase when I'm coaching clients, right? The problem is the solution. So what's the problem? The problem is I like you, but this isn't this doesn't feel romantic to me, right? So how do you turn that into a solution? You say, I really, this is really awkward to have this conversation and I'm sorry to to be the person to bring it up. You start with that. But I'm taking the initiative. And then you say, (laughs) but I really think things look great on paper, but I'm just not feeling the romantic vibe. And it's not because you're of anything with you. I really hope we can be friends. And it's not going to go well, but that's the kindest way just to be upfront and lay it out. That's the most respectful, honest way to do it. Don't listen to what I said. <laughs> Steve's like, just disappear into the bushes. I didn't say disappear. I said, <laughs> I said, maybe don't, you know, reply so quickly or like, yes, I'll meet you there. Like, maybe like wait an hour and be like, hey, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> I mean, the truth is, like, you can't. Whether or not somebody perceives you as a jerk is not on your... Yeah, you can't control that. You're not responsible for that. So, like, you I mean, have to just be as respectful as possible and then let, let them think and believe whatever they want to believe. It's not up to you. And also, I think maybe... I guess you could look into, like, what's going on with you that you still want to keep seeing this person even though you know you don't have a spark. So, like, maybe that's, like, you don't want to be alone. Like, maybe there's some other... Um, X, like other things going on with you that have nothing to do with that, that like, you know, you know, maybe hang, start hanging out with your friends again and not necessarily put all the pressure on like trying to find a relationship and always feeling like mm. you have to date somebody, you know, hmm. 
Wow. Whoa, where did that come from? I think my coffee just kicked in. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Something like sort of good came out of my mouth. Well, we hope that helps you anonymous. Anonymous. And can you say it without making it sound like you're reading? No, because I can't see it. Where are we? We're here. If you want relationship and dating advice from our completely unqualified selves, DM us on Instagram at Broadway Husbands or email us on broadwayhusbands.com and we may choose your question on the next episode. Also, to guarantee you receive our advice, consider becoming a patron on Patreon and you can join us live to ask your question. Check out this plus an array of other benefits at patreon.com backslash broadwayhusbands for more details. Excellent. Ooh. Nice. So, so there's something I need to tell you. What's that? I'm just kidding. <laughs> there's definitely a spark. It's been sparking for a while. And you've and taken it, some initiative. And I've taken some initiative some of the time. <laughs> Most of the time. Wait, can I just tell you another funny story? Sure. Really quick. Sure. Um, also in the beginning of <laughs> Brett. Um, we were trying to, we were going to sleep and, um, don't let this hit. And one of the things I think Brett had mentioned to me at this point was that he felt like I was, wasn't talking as much or telling him what was on my mind. At least that's the way it felt at one point. I don't remember this. So, and I started talking before we go to bed. I'm like telling him all these things and I'm not sure what I was saying, but I was like, you know, just having a great conversation and telling him probably something important about my soul. And he turns to me and he says, you know, I'm sure what you have to say is really important. This is not what I said. Continue. (laughs) But I really need to get some sleep. And he I said that. Not he what said I said that. He did. Yes, he did. I said I really want to hear what you have to oh, say. Oh yeah, I really want to. You really what you do? But I'm falling asleep right now. You didn't say I'm falling asleep, but you said I need to get some sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and he just went to bed. So you know, even if there is a spark, sometimes you know, would, I, would you rather me just falling asleep on you? Because that was going to happen. Anyways, those are like two of my favorite things that happened at the beginning of a relationship. Well, when we first started dating, we we ta- I remember talking to you about marriage. Do you remember like having that conversation at dinner once? And it was like, yes. Would you ever want to get married? Yeah. And I feel like we also talked about having kids. Having kids. Yeah. Really early on. Yeah. I mean, we definitely talked about marriage, and I think that at the time, I didn't really know a lot of gay people that were married. So, um, it was interesting at the time I was like in school and I had to write a paper on like really anything. So I decided to write a paper on gay marriage. So I did a lot of research after like our conversation and, um, then it really became like this real option in my life. I remember being like, yeah, I totally want to do this. And yes, it happens. And like people do it and there are different laws in each state and understanding all of that. And, um, and the conversation um, of having kids, I think, was always, we always talked about it. Yeah. Yeah, but then we were, we debated, do we want to adopt? We always said we were going to adopt. Always, And yeah. that it had always been our thing. And that we couldn't wait for the day. And then, like, as we've both been creeping towards 40. You mean 30? <laughs> <laughs> this was a big year for both of us. Not yet for me. <laughs> By the time this goes live, but maybe it will be. 
Sorry to tell you, Stephen. By the time this Shh. airs, you will be forty, and I'm talking Brett, to future Stephen. Please stop. He has such a hang-up about his age. No, I think it's, it's a dance thing. It is a dance thing. I think it's just like I don't know. Okay, it doesn't Let's... bother me at all, but it bothers you. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So we decided we we were gonna adopt, and we started looking into things, and we went to the Gay and Lesbian Center. This is really good information for anybody out there who is curious about becoming parents. And it was very, it was an informative meeting. I think they do it like once a month. Yeah, they do do it once a month. And it was very, um, it covered all ways to have children through adoption, um, through surrogacy. It also, you know, there were, um, there were uh, two uh, lesbian couples there, mm-hmm. and so they were, you know, going over what they needed to do and go going over what two gay men had to do, and just like, just all the different ways that you could um, expand your family, whether it was adopting through foster or. Um, Look at the camera. Oh, sorry. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just like all over the place. <laughs> um, yeah. So there were all kinds of. You know, and they I remember, all like, we went together, and the woman told the story about her child being adopted. She was a really interesting story, and Stephen was crying. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. And you were like, "Oh my god, it's so beautiful." And we were like, "Wow, well, we really." Sh- she actually had the experience of adoption and surrogacy, she had both. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. she did. Yeah, that's what was super cool about that. So we ended up putting that on our radar, talking about adoption. And let's just be, let's just talk about the timeline. So I think when we went that to that meeting, ago. Um, that was like four or five years ago, at least, at least. Um, so that was at least five years ago. Um, and so that was kind of in our heads, you know, like what we needed to do. Um, but we didn't really take any action on it. There was definitely a lot of conversation throughout time about it, but no, no real action. Um, and then, what was the name of the movie that we watched? Oh, shit. We got to look it up. We got to look it up. We got to look it up. There's starring, it was on Netflix, and it was starring Molly Shannon, and it was, she was a mother who got cancer, and the guy who plays her son wrote it, and he's gay. The character's gay. I'm assuming the writer's gay, too, because he wrote it, but... I'm looking it up. Hold, please. God, Hold, what please. Was it? I think BMI beat you. Um, could it be other people? Does that sound right? Is it other people? <laughs> I don't know. Um, Is that see. a series or a movie? Other people sounds like a series. It was... Oh my god. Other people. That probably was it. Yes. Yeah, I would have never guessed. No, it says comedy and drama. Do you think that was it? Yeah, yes, this it was is a dark it. comedy. Yes. This is it. Um, Other people, but Bia beat you. I just want to just yes, acknowledge she totally that. beat me. Um, anyway, it's so we by Chris Kelly and Chris Kelly. Molly Shannon is um, the mother, and she's dying of cancer, uh, and he's, you know, just coming home to spend time with her before she dies is basically the story, and and it's really upsetting and sad. Um, and there's but really good too. But also really good. Um, and there's a scene at the end, like right right before she um, passes away and she has a conversation with him and says Brett oh am I supposed to say say it it? oh she's laying she's laying in oh god I'm gonna cry telling it she's laying in bed and he's and he's having a hard time because he's uh, hates coming home because he feels so fish out of water which 
both of us being the token gays in our family can relate to. And she says, I want you to come home and be with your sister because when I'm gone, you'll see me in her face. Mm. And we were just like, oh, <laughs> it was just so beautiful. Yeah. And I think there's something too about like this time in our lives where at least I'm speaking for myself that I feel so like... Um, the time is more precious than ever with my parents. Um, and I'm just, you know, I'm just always afraid, um, you know, of not having them here. And I think that that just like really, um, hit home for me. And like, there was just something about that. It's, it sounds, it sounds kind of cheesy, but I was like, let's try and have a baby through surrogacy. Like literally, like, I think it was that night we talked well, about it. You had a it, moment right? where you were like, I realized that my dad was the only child yeah. and his, his bloodline will end. My brother's never going to have any kids. When maybe not never, but he has not, but he has not. And that's a whole nother that that's like another like episode. six part episode um, about our siblings. And then, um, and then I have a, my oldest brother is, is on the spectrum and it's a, through genetic disorder. And so there's a genetic disability that runs through our family lineage. And, and so we started talking and growing up with a brother with special needs was really hard and really difficult. I'm watching my parents still basically take care of him at their age. We were both having this conversation about, well, surrogacy, it's not that it would make things easier, but it would, it would eliminate some of the obstacles that would make parent like this journey a little more challenging. And your father, you know, you could pass down the lineage and, you know, there, there was something about having a genetic child that just felt real to us. And we, I get defensive because what's interesting is that the more we have this conversation publicly, we get a lot of weird backlash from yeah. people because there's a lot of people who believe in adoption and, and we believe and in we adoption. Do too. And I think that we, we might adopt And, and still, we get this you know. judgmental, like I've had some people write some really nasty things to us on social media saying, you know, how, that we were being greedy. And yet... You know, no one would say that to a mother whose womb was, wasn't working or a mother who's having a hard time mm-hmm. having a baby. But yet with us, because we're choosing this path like to, to go through surrogacy, we get this weird yeah. judgment. And especially from other gay men, which I think is so strange. So I'm but, just saying I hear you and whoever, however you choose, this is my disclaimer, however you choose to have a family is your it, choice. It's your choice and there's no wrong way there's to no do it. There's no wrong way. And, um, and this is the path we're choosing for now. Yeah. And this is the path we're choosing for now. And I, I don't think it'll be the only path, but I think it's the path that we're doing today. And, um, hopefully our first child will be here, um, this time next year. Yeah. So we, so the next step we went through was we went to men having babies. We went to men having babies. Which if you don't know, that's a nonprofit organization that helps gay men, gay couples, um, who understand their process and their options and even offer grants and discounts depending on your financial needs because surrogacy is kind of like having the Tesla of babies. It's not cheap. <laughs> and, and, you know, choosing this path is, is as, as an artist, choosing the path of surrogacy is not an easy path, and we knew that. Yeah, and I think that that was why we weren't, really ever looking into it. And then I had this, like, I mean, literally, I think it, it felt like it was just, I was so emotional about, about the way I I was just emotional from seeing that movie. It's just like really 
struck something inside of me and I was like, I feel like this is what we have to do. And, um, you know, so that was that. Yeah. So we, so we met our doctor yeah. and we'll do a whole episode about that. But the doc, our doctor basically told us that there was a way to do it that didn't require us to drop a huge amount of money up front. And so we started the process and we're, and we've been, we started, it's been two, two years. years ago. Yeah. Like around this time, two years ago was the first time I supplied, um, <laughs> my specimen specimen <laughs> in a cup and and yeah that was two years ago yeah yeah oh my goodness and we've learned so much and we've gone through so much but that's basically what we wanted to tell you guys how we came to the decision of having a baby via surrogacy and you know there's a lot a lot that has to happen and we're going to share it with you guys because we think there's so much that people don't know and understand about the process including us and we've been learning as we go every time we go to a, the doctor it's like what there's all this what? vocabulary and facebook groups and there's a lot uh, so get ready to learn a lot about um, same-sex family building <laughs> on upcoming episodes of the broadway husbands we hope that is enlightening to you guys and if you have requests or want some information um, check out the show notes and we will have links to everything below. Anything else you want to share, Stephen? No, just that um, I'm excited to build our family together. And, you know, and hopefully I can still take the initiative. I mean, <laughs> still a work in process, work in progress. You better get it down before that baby comes. Cause... <laughs> 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 no, but it was really funny because I thought... He was breaking up with me. And he said, you really need to start taking the initiative. And you did. That's what I liked about you. Still like about you. I took the note. If I give you the note, you take it. Okay. So here's a little commercial we're going to do for you guys. Here we go. You ready? Mm-hmm. Hey, Steven. Yeah? Do you love Broadway? Yeah. Do you love apparel? Oh, my God. I love apparel. Do you love Broadway life apparel? What's that? Check out our witty and fun designs that keep your love for theater alive with a little wink wink. Visit Broadway Life Apparel and enter the promo code BROADWAYHUSBANDS to get 15% off your first purchase. These shirts are great holiday gifts for the theater lover in your family. <laughs> All right. On this podcast, we encourage you to love who you love and love what you do. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.